Hey everyone, welcome to Film Trooper Presents Film Marketing Fridays. It is August 1st, 2014. Um, you know, some people call it like 2014 or something like that. I think it's the correct way to pronounce it is 2014. It's like as if it's 1901, you wouldn't say, hey, it's the year 1901. Somehow when we hit the millennium at like 2000, everything became like 2002, 2003, things like that. So, I don't know. Just a, <laughs> I'm trying to get in the habit of calling everything like 2014 or 2013. I guess you would call, what would you call the year 2000? 2000? I guess 2000. I said, 19, yeah, like 1900. Anyhow, um, if any of you are out there, um, go ahead and use the Q&A app. Uh, ask me a question at any time. Uh, this is going to be, I think, a fairly quick uh, Film Marketing Friday. I want to go a little, dig a little deeper in writing log lines. And um, just sort of inspired by my interview with Stephanie Palmer of uh, Good in a Room. She wrote this book called A Good in a Room. And she's also on the... Um, She's got a website. Just go to goodinaroom.com. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a fantastic you know opportunity just to have that uh, chat with her. And if you haven't checked it out, go ahead and check out filmtrooper.com and you can look under the podcast uh, section and she's the latest podcast that pops up. So I was going to maybe, if I had time, I wanted to kind of explore, you know, um, talking about log lines or pitches or, you know, a quick... She doesn't really call it elevator pitch. Uh, she has a different way of explaining it in her book, Good and Room. But um, yeah, maybe next time I catch up with her, um, uh, I'll go over some of the projects, you know, to see this kind of get my head wrapped around whether or not I'm in the, in the right right place. She does offer coaching, so I might as well just pay for her coaching uh, lessons that way. So let's delve into it. Let's get right into. Um, so, what is a log line? <laughs> <laughs> Let's start there. Um, essentially, it's a one to two sentence that, uh, or one to two sentences that clearly describe what your story is about. And why is this important? Hey, look at that. I wrote that. I actually forget exactly what I wrote on this uh, presentation. So I'm going to be as surprised as you are what I typed up here. So bear with me. Um, this is a MVP. And now you're like, okay, wait, why is this important? And now you're calling something an MVP. Um, and what is this MVP? So we'll move forward. It's called the uh, minimum viable product, and we'll get into a little bit more. Well, I probably should go back there. So a minimum viable product is sort of a, a phrase that was coined by Eric Reese of this book called The Lean Startup. And he's sort of like this, um, in the tech startup world, there's this huge movement to try to implore and build what these what they call a minimum viable product. Essentially, it's something really basic and almost unfinished that you you start selling to uh, the marketplace. And the idea here is to get feedback from your customers before you go down a path too far and spend too much money and too much development time to find out a product that you were hoping and praying for um, would actually sell or that customers actually need. In the case of film, we need to know whether or not the audience has any interest in what we're creating. A lot of times we create things in the dark, we kind of keep things in, in, in uh, you know, hidden and we don't, we're not really sharing um, what we're working on and, and then, we, then we release it to the world and it's sort of we're pushing our, our ideas and our concept out there and we cross our fingers 
and hope that it captures an audience's attention. However, if we utilize some of the entrepreneurial um, techniques and strategies, if we use an MVP, we can kind of get an idea whether or not whatever project we have has any real legs to it before we go down too far of you know spending money, raising money, uh, and actually go into production. So the simplest, easiest way to not to spend hardly any money is to start with the simple story. And the simple story is really your log line, which is can you clearly explain a story in one to two sentences? And so that's what we're going to get into. So what a log line reveals is clarity. I mean, if you can clearly explain your story in the one to two sentences, um, you're in good shape. Because how many times have you met somebody who said, hey, so what's your project about? And it, they, you know, like I probably did this many times before, just you hem and haw. You're like, well, it's a combination of, you know, Anchorman in 2001. And people are like, I don't understand any of that. What are you talking about? So, but you have, you know, if you can better explain your um your story position, the easier it is uh, for an audience whether uh, to react to it. So also what a log line reveals, which is I realize now, you know, post-mortem on this, my film, The Cube, and I'll show you later on here, is does your story work? Um, not only does it reveal clarity, but does your story work? And we're going to explore this here in a second. And does it sell? Like, have you created something that, you know, sells this imagination or sells this um, curiosity to your audience uh, with your log line. So, and again, yeah, does it clearly sell your story? So not, do, not only does it clearly tell your story, uh, explain what your story is about, but I think the key word there is does it sell it? And so, and guess what? I don't know. I don't know what I wrote. So <laughs> guess what, what? Let's find out. Oh, yeah forgot you can actually do all of this without ever writing the script so that means that you can actually work on your story ideas um simply by just working on these one or two sentences uh these one sentence log line and you'll know whether or not you have a story worth pursuing or not without ever having to go so far into writing you know 100 to 120 page script so Let's go into eight tips to write a log line. Um, number one, most obvious, is who's your protagonist? Who's going to be your main character? Who is the um, character characters that we're going to follow uh, that you're asking the audience to follow from the beginning of the story to the end of the story? Um, doesn't necessarily have to root for them. Doesn't have to, They can be an anti-hero, but they are the protagonist, so we have to very clearly understand who that protagonist is. Uh, number two, you're going to throw in an adjective to give your character more depth. Uh, something simple, but we'll go into that. We'll show examples of that here soon. And number three, clearly and quickly present your protagonist's goal. That's kind of funny, clearly and quickly. It's kind of like if you got one sentence, you really don't have you know a lot of time to spare. Essentially, we're trying to figure out how to create a log line that you could put into a tweet, a 140-character tweet. <laughs> so it's going to be clear and it's going to be quick. So uh, I wouldn't necessarily worry about that. Um, number four, you have to present your antagonist. We have to show the conflict. We have to show whatever it is that the protagonist has to um, conquer to achieve their goal. Um, so number five is make sure your protagonist is proactive. Um, that's pretty key in terms of overall story development. But 
even in a one sentence log line. All these elements can exist. And number six, uh, can you show what is at stake? Sort of like this ticking time bomb thing. Like if you can up the stakes where it feels like there's some urgency, it, you know, it adds the drama. I mean, this is the car wreck on the side of the road that we stop for because we are, you know, we're just looky-loos. We want to see what's going on. This is the bar fight outside that you stop and you're looking to see that anticipation of like what horror is going to happen. And then you then you run away. And then um, number seven, this is from uh, Stephanie Palmer herself. And if you've listened to the latest podcast with Stephanie, she says of over 3,000 pitches that she sat in uh, during her uh, tenure as a Hollywood executive, uh, she says definitely include the genre of what your film is about. And we'll go into that here in a second. And number eight, sell it, don't tell it. Again, that goes back, like, does your logline clearly sell your story? And, and not you know, you're telling it. You can't be boring about it. I mean, there's a salesmanship aspect to it. And if you can put that all together, you should have an effective logline. Now, is it easy? Oh, no, it's not easy. I don't I mean, <laughs> it's hard. So writing a logline. Let's start with the first part. We start with the first uh, step or the first tip, which is who is your protagonist. And we're going to use my uh, silly movie, The Cube, um, as an example. So the example would be a married couple. There it is. Plain and simple. That's who is the protagonist in my particular film. Um, number two, you add an adjective. All right, something simple. Example, a young married couple. Okay, so we differentiate. We get a little bit more clear detail. They're not, they're not old. Uh, they haven't been married for like 50 years. They are um, you know, fairly young. So that kind of gives you an idea. You know, paints the picture a little better. And then two, what is your protagonist's goal? So we have to say, okay, well, what do they want? What's their desire? And here, a young married couple wants security, meaning that they fear insecurity. That's pretty much when everybody wants security, it means that they're in fear of insecurity. So who is your antagonist? Let me start that over. I can't speak English. Um, who is your antagonist? For me, this example is a young married couple wants security, but when a mysterious red cube arrives at their doorstep, so I kind of present it as the red cube is the potential antagonist. Um, and I have to make, you know, add a little adjective there to the ant, uh, antagonist. I add the mysterious red cube instead of just saying a red cube, but a mysterious red cube. And then I gave it some action saying, you know, what did the antagonist do to the married couple? As you can see, it's not very dramatic. It's almost like ho-hum. So already, you know, it's beginning to shape sort of the story, um, even with the log line. We'll continue. And um, so you're supposed to make sure your protagonist is proactive. So when we do that, I say a young married couple wants security, but when a mysterious red cube arrives at their doorstep, they throw it away. So that's their big action. <laughs> they just throw it away. So as you can see, I'm almost laughing at it right now. It's not very dramatic um, or maybe it's not very suspenseful. It seems to be um, almost benign in terms of I think like most independent films operate on a um, sort of a quiet, subtle um, level that um, Hollywood films, they have to go big and they have to go spectacle and they have to make it much more dire. Um, so that's sort of the formulistic th uh, thing about storytelling within that big playground. 
um, for independence, really uber, uber independence, it might be some much more quiet. So here you can see it's not like a massive uh, proactive action that they took. They just did something where they just threw it away. So then I'm supposed to show what is at stake. And I wrote here, a young married couple wants security, but when a mysterious red cube arrives at their doorstep, they throw it away, only to have another one arrive, then another and another. So it's not quite, you know, high stakes, as you can see. That's already being revealed in the logline. It's actually just, um, I try to create sort of an element of the ticking time bomb. Um, and when I say ticking time bomb, there's sort of this, uh, it was brought up to me at this conference I was recently, which was great. It was just explaining like, Here's Alfred Hitchcock. This is how he would describe what is at stake. Your first opening shot is of some men playing poker on a you know a card table. Then uh, what happens is cut to the next shot, you see this ticking time bomb. And then the camera pulls back, and as it pulls back, it reveals that the ticking time bomb is underneath the table, the card table, where these men are playing, and they have no idea. So that is what he calls is what at, is at stake. So this concept of like, can you put some element of a ticking time bomb into your logline story uh, to make it even more interesting? Like I said, I have a very benign, almost you know, passive ticking time bomb, meaning that every time this couple th throws the red cube away, another one shows up, and then another one. So it's um, is it that high stakes? No, not really. So here we go. Then you're supposed to include the genre. So taking Stephanie Palmer's advice, we put it up in the front, and it says, in this supernatural suspense story, notice that I don't use, like, in this horror film or this um, political thriller or whatever it is. I mean, I don't necessarily think, like, supernatural suspense is the a, its own genre, but I think it clearly explains sort of where uh, the story would fit in. So I have to use two adjectives or... Is it adjective nouns? Somebody help me with my grammar. Anyhow, in this supernatural suspense story, a young married couple wants security, but when a mysterious red cube arrives at their doorstep, they throw it away, only to have another one arrive, then another one, then another, and another. And lastly, I'm supposed to sell it, don't tell it, and the reality, and, you know, I have to come to grips with reality to say, does my log line sell it, or am I telling it? And, uh, and this one is really hard because <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it's hard to sell something in one sentence um, and make it very compelling. And what it does do, it reveals sort of, I think, holes in your story potentially. And I have to be, and I look at it, you know, from a 3000 aerial view now of my own story, my own log line, I see it for what it is. And if the film like itself is, um, operates on a very different sort of um, level, it's not, um, high suspense. It's much more uh, subtle in that way. And then the log line actually shows it. So if I had written this log line prior to making the movie, I would have stopped and, and, and analyzed this better and say, you know what, maybe I should up the stakes a little bit more. Anyhow, so let's move on to log lines of famous movies. This will help sort of clarify like where a log line can go. So let's check out this first uh, famous movie. A young woman tries to escape her wealthy, abusive fiancé when she falls in love with a young artist who barely has a penny to his name, all while traveling from England to America on the ill-fated ship, the Titanic. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what the story was, wasn't it? <laughs> so 
It's like one of the most successful films of all time. Notice that I didn't put the genre at the beginning. Uh, so I went against the grain of what Stephanie Palmer had uh, suggested. But the only reason I did that is because the way uh, this sentence sort of is structured, it sets up the hook. Um, because maybe if we started at the beginning, so in this tragedy of the ill-fated ship that Titanic, a young woman tries to escape her wealthy, abusive fiancé when she falls in love with a young artist who barely has a penny to his name. So I mean, if we could do it that way. But I think it's more interesting if you leave it at the end because it's like that that hook. You know, this whole this whole premise sets up where like, okay, I can follow a young woman that's trying to escape her wealthy, abusive fiancé. I mean, she's in a bad situation. And of course, she falls in love with the young, struggling artist who has you know nothing to offer her. And then we get to the, the concept like, okay, and this is all happening in a very ticking time bomb way, which is they're traveling from England to America. And then the real hook comes out of nowhere, which you're like, oh, they're on the, actually, on the Titanic. So we already know the story. It's, it's fascinating. You know what's going to happen. We all know they're going to die. Or maybe who dies, who survives. I mean, does their love survive? It's, it's crazy and simple, but it works. And you can see that the stakes are higher. You know, there's death involved. If I look back at my own uh, log line, I can see the faults in it, which is I don't have, you know, there's nobody dying. And that's not, that's actually in the log line. And I realize maybe I should up the stakes a little bit more. Um, and those are things you might want to think about in your own log lines or your story development. Uh, here's another one. In this high adventure, a U.S. archaeologist must, must risk his life to discover the Ark of the Covenant, Covenant before the Nazis. And if I could speak uh, English better, I could read it better. So in this high adventure, a U.S. archaeologist must risk his life to discover the Ark of the Covenant before the Nazis. I don't know. It's pretty simple. You know it's a high adventure. Um, we put in uh, who the um, ant protagonist is. And here's, an, uh, here's a quick note about being uh, writing up your protagonist and your uh, antagonist. Usually you don't put like their character's name. You wouldn't say like, a young woman, you know, Rose Dubois, whatever her name was, um, falls in love with uh, a young artist named Jack. Like, it's not the proper ne proper names or the proper nouns are not, not, not necessary. So, like, in this high adventure, you wouldn't say, in this high adventure, you know, Professor Indiana Jones must risk his life to discover the Ark of the Covenant. I mean... The whole point is like if you hadn't written the story before, nobody has any connection with the name of your characters, but they would have connection to the archetypes um, of the general characterization that you're presenting. A young woman, a young man, a young artist, that type of thing. A U.S. archaeologist, you know, okay, we can identify that. And the Nazis, yes, they're proper, but that just sums up like pretty much who the antagonist is. But here, in a very simple sentence... We get the uh, genre, high venture. We get the protagonist, the U.S. archaeologist. We get his goal, his what he's after. He's trying to discover the Ark of the Covenant. And we add in, this is crazy, in three words, before the Nazis. That means in three words, we set up not only who the antagonist, which are the Nazis, but we add the element of the, what's at stake uh, and the ticking time bomb, which is before. Like... Try to use the word before because that actually uh, helps uh, sell the, um, the, the aspect of what is at stake and the ticking time, time bomb. But it's crazy. It's, it's beautiful what you can do with just three words, before the Nazis. 
I mean, you can almost add any type of a <laughs> premise. It doesn't have, you know, anything before that, add any sentence. Like a young boy has to, um, you know, make a dozen donuts um, before the Nazis, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like <laughs> in history, like anything before the Nazis just means like the worst case scenario. So, you know, you could add that into your logline story. And here's the last one, which is, in this paranormal thriller, a psychologist struggles to cure a troubled boy who's haunted by a bizarre affliction. He sees dead people. So that's pretty cool because, you know, I, I've actually saw this. This was I, t I took this log line from uh, another uh, example online, and they just re they originally just added just a psychologist struggles to cure a troubled boy who is haunted by a bizarre affliction. He sees dead people. That works just fine. But if we take the um, the rule of um, Stephanie Palmer and we add the genre in the beginning in this paranormal thriller, then our mindset as an audience is somebody just listening to you in the elevator or, you know, if you had one second or three seconds to explain what your story is about, they know what the genre is. And so when you present the psychologist, that's our protagonist, what are they, um, what's the conflict, like, or what's their goal, because he's struggling to try to cure this troubled boy, um, and the antagonist is that he's haunted by this bizarre affliction, and what is the affliction? He sees, he sees dead people. So try to implement this stuff, try to get inspired by um, log lines of famous movies, or come up with your own log lines for famous movies. I sort of, like, uh, hacked together the um, Titanic one on my own, um, and borrowed some other um, uh, aspects online for uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark one. But it's a good exercise because, like, if you're sitting around watching, you know, um, whatever, you know, a, a film on, on your TV and you already know it, what the film is about, try to come up with, like, a one-sentence log line for those famous movies. And you might discover that a lot of the successful ones or the movies that you like have these elements to it which is like they have high stakes there's a ticking time bomb and it's very clear and then you have to look at your own uh, work to see whether or not it's matching up to the to those levels so um let's get into writing a bloody log line this is so this is the exercise i'm using this past week for this current film uh that i'm working on right now so it's the next one again it's uh done film trooper style meaning that it's done with hardly any crew um, and done with just the available resources in front of you and trying to be made for under, you know, 500, uh, under a thousand bucks, like your own, whatever you can get, you know, out of your own pocket. So there's no need to go to crowdfunding or anything, that type of thing. Like if you can't raise a thousand bucks out of your own pocket, um, I'm not too sure you should do a crowdfunding campaign. <laughs> but anyway, um, so using that concept, I wanted to just make sure the story was solid or better than what I had created um, on from the cube. Like I said, the cube did not reveal enough what's at stake. So let's show you how hard writing a bloody logline is. Not that I'm English, but um, I have a lot of people from England um, <laughs> contact me, and I love the word bloody. Okay, here it is, my first attempt. Alone in her house, a 10-year-old latchkey girl must battle a menacing spirit. So, you know, okay. So I was like, okay, she's alone in her house. Uh, we identify this little girl, and she is pre presented with the um, antagonist. Well, 
I have the most supportive wife and daughter, and they basically said, oh, that, that sucked. So, <laughs> so with such great support, you know, nothing's better than your 12-year-old daughter looking at you like, like, like we haven't seen that before, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, damn it. So I have to go back to the drawing board. So, okay, so that's not catching their imagination. How about a 10-year-old latchkey girl alone in the house, which is completely redundant. If you know what a latchkey kid is, they're always alone in the house. Anyway, a 10-year-old latchkey girl alone in the house must enter the spirit realm to battle a menacing spirit that threatens her life. So I was like, okay, maybe I'm add a little bit more flair to it. Just to say, I was trying to create the sense of um, impending doom, you know. So the reaction from my family was not a lot. Still no love in the household. You know, again, they were shaking their heads like, nah, you can do better. Um, so I'm like, damn it. Back to the drawing board. So then I say, a little girl who suffers from the fear of darkness is alone in the house when the power goes out and a menacing spirit threatens her life. Again, they were like, nah. you know, like, let's, you know, they were my, my family, I could tell like whether or not um, I'm throwing up BS or not. And so I was like, okay, so that didn't, you know, you know, earn their fancy. So I'm like, okay, back to the drawing board. So here's the thing. Like I have this element in the story, like, do I reveal it too soon or, or, or am I being too precious about it and say, screw it, let's just reveal it now. So I say, Alone in her house, a little girl must connect with her dead twin sister to help fight a menacing spirit that threatens her life. So then my family's reaction was like, better, but it's still missing that ticking time bomb. You know, so they're like, okay, that's, they're like, yeah, that works, but there's still something missing. And so then, again, I haven't, you know, all I've done is I, I had written a script, the first draft, got some great notes on it and had to go back to the drawing board and rework the outline and so just as to get my head wrapped around the clarity of what I was trying to do, I really fo was trying to focus on the log line. If I can make the log line very clear, then I know that any further writing and any development I have, if I can build it and create it to behold into the, uh, the clarity of the log line, then I know that everything uh, works um, in, in tandem and it, it, like the, the creative process will be very clear. Okay, so I went back to the drawing board and I added, Alone in her house, a little girl must connect with her dead twin sister to help fight off a menacing spirit before it possesses her. There. So there was no necessary leaps of joy in my family, but they gave me the sort of a nods of approval, like, okay, okay, yeah, maybe we can make that work. So then when you add in the genre, again, like I said, add the all-important genre at the beginning, you present it this way. In this paranormal thriller, a little girl alone in her house must connect with her dead twin sister to help fight off a menacing spirit before it possesses her. Boom. Done. So you can see I've used all the tips and the elements and you can see the writing process of, of you throw it out there, you know, get some harsh, you know, criticism from your loved ones and then... Uh, <laughs> and then you keep going at it and and may not necessarily be, you know, the same caliber as like some other people's stuff or what the big studios are doing. But for for me, I want to be able to clearly explain what the, ne you know, the next movie is I'm working on. And now I have this one sentence. So if you ask me like, oh, hey, so what are you working on? I'm working on this film called The Latchkey. Well, what's it about? 
I say, well, it's about, let me explain. Well, the, let me start over. It goes, here's my log line for the, the latch key. In this paranormal thriller, a little girl alone in her house must connect with her dead twin sister to help fight off a menacing spirit before it possesses her. And so now people are very clear. They know, like, okay, you got a paranormal thriller. You're not saying it's a horror film. You're not saying it's blood and gore horror film. Uh, we know that there's a little girl involved and she's alone in the house. And, you know, she's got this past where she's she's got this goal. And her goal is to connect with her uh, a dead twin sister via the spirit world because they've got to fight off this menacing spirit before the ticking time bomb, it possesses her. Pretty simple. You know, does it work? Does it inspire you? Does, you know, are you out there in the audience going, eh, you know, that kind of sucks. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you don't, you just got to take something you create and just go, okay, this is the best I can do to craft it. And then we're going to move forward. So let's see here. What, what's my next slide? Oh, that's me uh, spelling voila. That's not how you spell voila, by the way. And uh, it's not great, but, you know, it'll work for now. So let's see here. Oh, yeah. Don't worry about that. Let's go back to my mug real quick. Um, come on. Sorry. I'm trying to operate the screen share. And there I am. So if you guys sat... I can't believe it's like been a half hour already. So that's like digging deeper into log lines. And the cool thing about having like a, a very clear log line of anything that you're working on um, is that if you're stoked on it and you believe it, um, other people will see the clarity of it, or it will reveal holes in your story far ahead of time before you even you know go f far into writing the script. And then even worse, when you're actually in production, you know the thing about being like uh, independent filmmakers or like you know backyard filmmakers or you know making stuff with your own gear is that you may not have necessarily a lot of resistance because nobody cares. Like, hey, you're doing your thing, but if you want to try to get it to be the best thing you can, um, utilizing these uh, small techniques where you have these log lines, these taglines, the, a quick synopsis, and maybe even a, a quick poster, you can test the waters with a, t through a specific audience base to see whether or not anybody is digging it or not. Um, and if they're not, change. I mean, the great thing about the, this the, this material, especially writing, it's so inexpensive to make the changes um, in your computer or on pen and paper. So my goal is hopefully you got you know, inspired and maybe look further into your own story um, to see whether or not it's selling or if there's other words that you can use or ways you can present, you know, your setup of your story to just, you know, be engaging enough. And... Um, you know, we'll see. So that's that's where I'm at right now with my particular project as we go forward is uh, just, you know, want to make sure I'm clear on what my story is about and does everything else after that kind of uh, tie into this very simple sentence. And that's all we, we're not even talking about screenwriting in depth and all that kind of stuff like that. We're just literally talking about it one sentence. And like I said, I can see the problems with my previous film, The Cube, because, um, not that I'm not proud of it. It's just, it is what it is. I go, oh, look at that. With a simple log line, I think it reveals some of the things that, um, I think the film could have been some, <laughs> this is live. People are like, <laughs> I think there could have been more at stake with the cube. 
um, more at death, uh, you know, things that could have, you know, killed them more, you know, add that into it. It's, I think it's a very sort of a cerebral, almost too much in the head type film, which is, you know, usually the case for, um, when you don't have anybody, you know, stopping you from doing whatever you want to do. So um, this time around, I'm trying to add that element of more death, something more severe, and uh, see if it has a more universal appeal or if it, if it works better. So those are the types of things you might want to think about. And as we close up here, you um, may have already known, you know, I want to make sure you don't, you go away not empty-handed, so don't go away empty-handed. Um, you can get a free equipment list at freegearguide.com. Again, that's a freegearguide.com, and it's basically an equipment list of everything I use to make the film The Cube, and which was made for $500 with no crew. So you get to check it out. Um, so head on over there. And you get th- these slides um, when I'm done here, when we go over the links, and you can download this uh, PowerPoint slide. Or it's in Google. They call it, um, what do they call this thing? I don't know what they call it in uh, Google Docs. So that's about it, guys. It's only about a half-hour session. Um, those of you who got a chance to see it, uh, send me uh, an email response. And uh, I hope to have um, some of you on when you get a chance because I love to just talk shop. So here we are at Film Trooper Presents, Film Marketing Fridays. I'm signing out. I'm Scott McMahon. Thanks a lot, everybody.